0: john Annick and kenny florian podcast <laughs> john Annick and kenny florian i fucking love them i can't get enough of them let's hear that Boston next
1: big jab there from duffy and Fred Meers. now down goes duffy oh cool. does it again rock'em sock'em robots here oh my goodness
2: i can't believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists here are
1: your hosts john Annick and kenny florian
3: Well, it's great to be home. It's great to be back in South Florida and great to be with you fine people. It is Monday, July 19th, episode 309 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Throat cracking right off the top. Ken Flo, looks like you're home, too.
1: I am home. Uh, It it must be nice for you, man. I know it's been a little while. Must be uh, great to see the family again and uh, been working your ass off, man.
3: So how about this? The kids are not home. Nobody's home. They're all in new England. So Riley comes home from overnight camp tomorrow. So my two other children and my wife will meet her at Bradley airport in Connecticut tomorrow morning, and then they will all fly home together. So I'm home right now with no children, hashtag no excuses to not be sharp and ready to go today, despite a red eye on Saturday night. But needless to say, very excited to see my family, uh, after 16 days apart. And, uh, again, to all the military men and women across the world, I truly don't know how you deal with this separation. I think for me, inherently, I'm not afraid to lean into my feminine side. As you saw, when I talked about Misha Tate still nursing on the broadcast this weekend, I'm an emotional guy. I'm a homesick guy. So for me, I really don't know how I would deal with three months away from my family. Um, I will be bawling my eyes out when I see them at the airport tomorrow. I don't know what the longest you've ever gone. I know You fighters oftentimes have to check into a a mental toughness channel that, that ceases to exist in my mind, but the separation is hard. I ain't going to lie to you.
1: Absolutely, man. Especially when you, uh, throw into the equation kids, right? I mean, there's just obviously anyone who's had a kid, there's a special bond there. And, uh, I haven't been away for, for that long, but, uh, I think next month I may be away for that two week period. So there you go.
3: You'll be with me in South Florida, and I'm basically like a brother. So, uh, exactly. (laughs)
4: Exactly. And in
3: terms of me softly referencing the fact that Misha Tate is still nursing, somebody asked me, Hey, if you could go back, would you not utter that line over eight hours on a headset? Was that a regrettable utterance? And I don't know, right? I mean, like, I think for any of us whose wives have breastfed and nursed extensively, you know the toll. Uh, And you know what that takes. So the fact that Misha Tate would be nursing her son before going to the UFC Apex, to me, is pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. But maybe I could have left it on the cutting room floor. His uh, <laughs> fans get really upset uh, sometimes when I. Why? Home. Why do people get upset about that stuff? I don't Well, know. I do think that generally speaking, it's more the younger demographic that doesn't understand how that could have any relevance. And I guess I would right. suggest to you that what did Misha Tate post on fight day as she returned to competition for the first time in five years, uh, a video or a photo of her nursing her son uh, essentially in her fight kit. So uh, it's yeah. a very real thing. Yeah. But it's great to have everybody with us, and thank you for checking back in. I know a decent part of our listenership and viewership actually threatened to never tune in again after last week. I do want to address briefly the uh, the UFC 264 recap, and perhaps I could have articulated my opinions a little bit better in terms of some of my support for Conor McGregor. Certainly, if you have listened to this podcast over the years, uh, you know there's been a lot of appreciation and love for Dustin Poirier, and perhaps there was not enough of that. A week ago. And if that is the case and you felt that, I do apologize. But to those who suggested in the comments that you have lost eternal respect for me based upon some of my opinions last week, that scares me, right? Because I feel like we've established a lot of goodwill with this podcast over six years. I feel like as a UFC commentator coming up on 10 years, I hope I've established enough goodwill with the audience to not lose respect in totality with one opinion. Because if we can't voice our opinions here, which essentially is the essence of our show, um, then I don't know where we can voice it. So uh, I appreciate the audience. We appreciate the feedback. We obviously take it very seriously. Right, Ken Flo, do you have anything to add as a former three-time world UFC title challenger?
1: Yeah, no. Listen, I, I think that um, we, you know, we are going to come at it from a different perspective than say the fan, right? And and I think that um, you know, I, I guess to clarify as well in regards to that. I don't think John and I are uh, in accordance with what Conor McGregor said uh, in regards to threatening people's lives and that that's not cool. Right. But at the same time, having been around Conor and knowing Conor, the businessman, Conor, the promoter, uh, you know, it's you you know, he's kind of a, a character of himself there and he's not really trying to do anything other than promote the fight. Um, there's better ways uh, about going about it. There's classier ways than going about it. Um, and for Dustin Poirier, um, he has been consistently classy, uh, a consistent professional, um, and won't resort to any tactic to promote a fight. He lets his fighting do the talking. He, he's an amazing, uh, an amazing fighter, amazing champion. Um, and uh, and that's pretty much it. Conor, you know, is who he is uh, for a reason. Um, But he has also been willing to say anything uh, and everything on the mic to get it done. Um, You may not agree with it, but there's a reason why he's, you know, um, you know, one of the wealthiest athletes on the planet. And uh, and and that's it. I think that's kind of where where I was coming from.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think. Neither of us likes when the vitriol obviously goes that far. But I think generally speaking, I just don't get as caught up in it, I guess, as somebody like like Paul Felder does, who is wildly offended. And I know most of you align more with Paul than me, and that is okay. Um, but just yep. know how much we appreciate every last one of you. Uh, and that's why I at least wanted to acknowledge it off the top. And I'll also say too, because depending on the Sunday morning, uh, I'm either a promotional shill or the opposite of that. Right. And, and it just comes with the territory. I understand that over seven, eight hours on a headset, I'm going to offend somebody. But that show came a week after Ken Flo essentially uttered on these airwaves that the Gon Lewis interim title fight was essentially a fuck you to Francis Ngannou. So don't right. group Ken Flo in with me, guys. OK, um, because <laughs> he ain't taking a check from the promotion. Uh, and if anyone has kept it real on the show over the last year or two or six. Uh, It's Ken Flo. All right. <laughs> Headlines UFC fight night, Makashev versus Moises. By the way, had a big golf hit. I don't know if you saw my Instagram, Kenflow. I hit on Colin, uh, Morikawa to win the, uh, the British open at 37 to one when I was in Las Vegas. So, Dang. Um, so it was 50 to pay 1900, but I qualified it to let people know I had $600 on John Rom. So I was rooting for John Rom because I would have won like $7,000. And Wow. He he hit the ball beautifully yesterday, but uh, but we'll take the little hedge on Morikawa. Um, but we'll Hell leave yeah, with man. Islam Makashev and not the British Open. So uh, <laughs> clearly, you saw by the reaction of Khabib Nurmagomedov and Islam Makhachev, they prioritized a finish here. They felt like in terms of this matchup and, and the level that they perceived themselves to be at, that they had to get Tiago Moisés out of there, and and that's exactly what they did. What did you make of, of Islam Makashev's performance over the weekend?
1: Thank goodness I changed my prediction to the fourth round. Um, Hey, listen. Yeah, it it was very impressive. These are the kind of things that you want as a fighter, right? Where you're trying to prove to yourself, prove, you know, prove to yourself first and foremost, but also prove to the promotion that you are worthy of more opportunities like other main events or, you know, uh, fighting other top contenders or fighting for the belt. Uh, And what better way to do it in a main event like that against another tough opponent in Moises. And, uh, Mahashev, uh, proved that he is of that quality. Um, I think there's been a lot of pressure on his shoulders. You know, a lot of people have talked about his legendary training sessions and how good he is and compared him of course, to one of his mentors, Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, and he went out and delivered an amazing performance. Um, I think not only did he largely shut down Moises for the majority of that fight, um, he then started pulling away, uh, to the point of complete dominance um, and getting a finish, controlling another Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt like he did um, and doing as well as he did on the feet showed that he is going to be a problem. He he is absolutely um, the real deal. It's going to only going to add to his confidence uh, as a fighter and um, I think now he's going to be deserving of, of those top 10, top 15 guys for sure.
3: The Khabib Nurmagomedov comparisons are not going to stop, right? You got one guy who's 29 and 0, the other guy who is 20 and 1. And based upon everything that I see and read, it seems as though the public perception is that Khabib is, is a little bit of a better natural athlete, but in terms of mixed martial arts, skill and talent, it's very close. I mean, I got to think there are things that Makashev does uh, better than Khabib. I got to think maybe some of his chokes, Potentially could be, a lo- I mean, there's got to be something that he does better. But- well, I'll say
1: his striking, you know, his striking straight off the bat looks cleaner to me. Um, yeah. He looks yeah. a little less reckless than Habib does. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's a problem, man. There's no doubt about it.
3: A little bit lighter on his feet maybe even when he goes for yeah. some of those trips i think there's a little bit more speed with which he goes about them but he is just a super impressive individual and uh you know tiago moises was largely unfazed i am excited to see his future again he was born in 1995 he's really just getting going so yeah. there's a whole moises side of this uh but in terms of islam akashib i just can't emphasize enough how blown away i was by him during fight week and on fight night in our fight fighter meeting he his comprehension of English really is off the charts. His, his, his speaking English is improving every time we sit down with him and uh, he's not cocky. Like he's just a confident kid. He really isn't cocky, uh, but he's acutely aware of self. And I think he knows how good he is. And uh, you know, as, as Misha Tate said, I mean, she was a quote machine this week, but, but confidence is costly. And and a lot of these fighters have paid the price. They put in the time and and that results in, in a lot of confidence. So what do you, what do you do with Makashev? Right. I mean, Unlike a lot of guys, he can't get any fight he wants. You know, I don't think he can get Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler right now, per se. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are going to selectively avoid this man. I'm not saying those two men are among that class. But he mentioned Rafael Dos Anjos, who at least uh, is on a winning streak. He mentioned Tony Ferguson, who is not. I I think they got to do that RDA fight. And you got to think Dos Anjos uh, as game as anybody on the roster would be willing.
1: I think it's a fantastic fight. I think it's a smart call-out in that RDA has always or, or seemingly has struggled against guys who have superior takedowns to him. Um, I think RDA is still going to be very tough. He's not going to go away easily against someone like Mahashev. But, you know, a, a former champion in RDA, a, a guy who is a, a an excellent, well-rounded skill set like RDA – I mean, uh, you get a dominant win or even a win over someone like RDA and people have to start paying attention at this point. They already are. Um, But uh, the way that he matches up against RDA, I think it was a small it was a smart call out um, on behalf uh, of uh, Mahashev and his team. And uh, I I think that would be really interesting. And of course, Ferguson uh, would be a great fight as well. Um, But. I don't know. I think there might be more to gain, uh, in defeating, uh, RDA at at this point.
3: Yeah. And I think that the promotion has other plans for Michael Chandler, who, uh, Islam Akashev did softly call out on the post show as Cody Merrow is alerting me to, but, uh, I think Chandler would take the fight if offered, you know, he is not in the business of saying no, I'll tell you too about Michael Chandler. He wasn't supposed to work the desk this past weekend. Tyron Woodley was going to work the desk, but he had Jake Paul media obligations and Chandler, uh, stepped up for his debut so it just goes to show you the guy's not in the business of saying no and i don't yeah. think he would say no so islam akash closed about minus 700, Ken flow and when i was talking to people as as highly as i think of moises an american top team and Pahumpa you know i still thought there was value on moise on makash when he was like minus 600 and i like if right. islam fought conor mcgregor like what would the goddamn bidding line be would islam be minus 400 as the stylistically worst matchup in the top 15 for Connor. Like what is the betting line? If Islam fights Charles Oliver or Dustin Poirier next weekend, I, I don't know. I, I think Poirier might be favored to beat Islam, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I yeah. think that the betting public might hit Islam and plus money. And he might close as the favorite. It's a very interesting conversation either way. Dos Anjos obviously had the weight cut as the backup. So the calendar should align for those two, not a lot of appreciable damage taken by Makachev. So hopefully uh, that's Mm -hmm. a fight, potentially a main event that we get in the the fourth quarter. So my twin brother was in the building uh, for both shows, but he was able to come to the UFC Apex this Saturday night. And so I saw him at the airport after the fact, Kenny, and I said, what'd you think of the show? And he looks at me and he's like, dude, there's so many good fighters in the UFC. And I thought it was an amazing thesis statement on sort of the last eight days in Las Vegas. There is so much talent in the UFC right now, right? Sergey Morozov over Khalid Taha, right on the prelim portion, like seventeen and four, an absolutely real problem at one hundred thirty-five pounds. We won't even get to his performance today, dude. The the talent under the UFC banner right now, would you agree, is is as good as it's ever been?
1: It's only getting better. Um, you know, I think Morozov is a great example of that. And you look at the guy he beat in Taha. I mean. Taha was fighting every second of that fight. I mean, he is talented. He is tough. He is good everywhere. Uh, But Morozov um, just a little bit too good when it came to the grappling portion and how he timed his entries and things like that with his uh, combinations. But um, yeah. And and those are guys that people aren't even really even talking about. Um, You know, Amanda Lemos. I mean, again, this was a card that was a non pay-per-view event that really did feature a heck of a lot of talent. So, Absolutely. I feel like the UFC is uh, the strongest it's ever been. And we're going to rifle through some
3: of these main card results and try to highlight as many performances as possible. One thing that uh, I did want to point out on the Khalid Taha side. So you may have heard me on the broadcast acknowledge his head coach, Karsten Ringler, whom I've never met. I don't know what the man looks like. And so I got a message from Karsten after the fact. He's like, hey, I appreciate the shout out, but uh, I'm actually back in the hotel room watching because although he tested negative for COVID-19. I guess another team member was positive, Ah. so he was not allowed to corner him. So it looked like maybe on show day, Khalid Taha might have lost two of his corner men. And I don't think it would have changed the result, but it just goes to show you. My corner audio sheet, uh, I don't think, was updated that late in the game. So Khalid Taha was competing without uh, his That doesn't help. Yeah. No. All right. Misha Tate comes back for the first time since 2016, and... Couldn't have done a whole lot better with this co-main event showcase against the retiring Maury and Renault. So Renault is another part of this. At 44 years of age, she retires with five consecutive losses. Not the way she drew it up for the end of her career. Uh, but Misha Tate looked fantastic physically. Mentally, she's in the best place of her life. There was a lot of toxicity when she retired. You could even see when she retired, the last fight of her career uh or that that part of her career in 2016 she's like still arguing with brian carraway in the octagon like after that fight and that relationship was the source of that toxicity and this woman is liberated she is happy and uh looks a whole lot like a bona fide bantamweight contender what'd you think of misha
1: johnny you could really see it you know I, I think that um having a certain energy about you having um an environment around you where you can be the best version of yourself is so important. Um, it's often uh, overlooked. Um, and sometimes you get caught in these patterns where you're like, Hey, this is my normal. I'm just going to deal with this. But you could see that Misha when she was fighting back in the day, there was, um, she just seemed exhausted in every way, shape or form. Like she was kind of going through the motions at some point at certain points in her career. Uh, and this was a happy, um, a motivated, a passionate Misha Tate who looked to me to be in the best shape of her life. She was as lean as I yeah. can remember. Um, she it's was after it. It's the breastfeeding. <laughs> you do lose weight doing breastfeeding. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my wife's in that right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that um, you know, just the, the way that she approached the fight was kind of a, a classic Misha, T- Misha, Misha Tate uh, fight in that. It kind of built to this crescendo. It was like the slow kind of analysis. Then the pressure kind of kicked up a little bit. Uh, Then there was more activity and like round after round, grinding it down, putting the pressure on and eventually getting the finish. I I thought was um, a beautiful performance from her against a very tough uh, Marion Renault. And it really couldn't have worked
3: out better. She gets the finish, but she also gets almost 12 minutes of fight time. And you might have heard us say on the broadcast, some of you would have been in commercial break, but for the first time in her career, she's the CEO of Team Tate. And I know late in your career, you kind of took total control and made some sort of changes in terms of your inner circle and those surrounding you. And it's just the perfect storm for success right now. I do hope they do the rematch with Holly Holm if they can get that fight made, I think a five-round main event title eliminator of sorts makes a lot of sense. You know, we'll see. Uh, and for Marion and Renault, um, you know, with respect, I just uh, the inability to pull the trigger, I think reared its ugly head again. And uh, before she could sort of get in the fight, she was out of the fight. And uh, a lot of people suggesting Misha Tate at minus 130 was the steal. of The century is Cody Marrow's writing in our chat room. And I don't disagree. But uh, what do you think about Misha Tate and Holly in a rematch? Does that uh, you want to wet your fucking beak with that Ken Flo or what?
1: I would love to see it. I think, um, you know, Misha learned a lot about that fight against Holly Holm. She was losing that fight against Holly Holm, uh, was uh, ultimately able to come back and get the submission win. But I I think she knows that she can do much better uh, having experienced that. Uh, I do think Holly Holm is is getting better and getting sharper as a fighter as well, though. Um, And she's uh, certainly made some improvements since then. So I think it's a fantastic fight. And again, just to go back to Misha's last um, fight on Saturday night, um, it was great to hear her say that she's not in here just to kind of get a couple more fights. She she is in here to get a title fight. That's when um, you're going to see the best versions of a fighter when they still have that in the back of their mind that they are there to be a world champion. Misha is there. She looked the part. And uh, that was great to see. And and she can certainly get back on that road uh, with the win over uh, Holly Holm Two two legends going at it. That'd be fun for me. Misha's is just such
3: a special human being. I think she has the chance to be a special broadcaster, either on the desk or in the booth. She has so much to offer the sport. And uh, certainly as an American, I'm glad she is back stateside and uh, and under the UFC banner. And I know we've talked recently about children as motivation. And I have long said, wait till your career's over to uh, procreate if you can help it. Right. But Sean O'Malley has said recently that his motivation was maxed out before he had a kid that as much as he would like to lean into the fact that maybe going in there as a father provides for some extra source of motivation, like he was so goddamn motivated to be world champion that he didn't really feel any difference. Most fighters are on the other side of that, right? Misha Tate was talking in our fighter meeting, like her son Daxton and her daughter Amaya, like they're part of team Tate. Like she absolutely brings that in there. And I got to think for you, if you had had the chance to compete as a dad, um, it's just an extra gear. And that's part of the reason why her fiance, Johnny Nunez, is in the corner for that emotional support. Like she sees him. She sees her children. I don't know, man. I think it's a very powerful thing. And certainly you can't overstate the value of that for Misha uh, in terms of where she's at in her head right now
1: hundred percent. You know, I think there's a reason why you don't see a whole lot of um, animals get close to uh, a mother lion and their cubs, you know, <laughs> they, 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 that, that uh, instinctual uh, protection and motivation is very much there uh, for both men and women, I think, and uh, can definitely provide a lot of motivation.
3: It's so true. Like I'm deathly afraid of the ducks outside when the mother duck looks at me, or maybe they're which right. She's a little bit big. <laughs> But she's looking at me like, if you come one step closer, I'm going right. to put my fucking beak around your trachea. <laughs> All right. Congratulations to Misha Tate. Uh, great to have her uh, her back in the octagon. Featured bout in the lightweight division did not go the way Jeremy Stevens drew it up. 65 seconds in, he is submitted via Kimura by Matouj Gamrot. And again, just speaks to the crazy depth in the UFC right now. This is a former... Two-division KSW champion in Poland. One at featherweight, one at lightweight. He's got a quarter of a million followers on Instagram. And perhaps until Saturday night, a decent chunk of our viewership had no idea who Mataj Gamrot even was. What a fucking stud.
1: Real deal. Holyfield, man. Uh, Make it look easy. Like that's that is the sign of a high level mixed martial artist, in my opinion, a guy who does everything that you think he can do. And he does it cleanly. I don't think he took a shot from Jeremy Stevens. Um, Just uh, clinical. Uh, He he really looked like a surgeon out there. So congratulations to Gamron. Seems like a fun guy as well. And uh, another guy who's going to pose a lot of problems for people in that lightweight division.
3: All right, as we continue with our recap of UFC Fight Night, Mahasha versus Moises. We're going three wide as we welcome in television's Raymond Peter Longo. It's
0: now time for
1: the Ray Longo minutes. I'm
4: going to punch a hole in this fucking chest.
0: That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Hey, there they are. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's Monday morning over here. I don't know what time it is where you guys are. <laughs> what time is it?
3: It is. Uh, oh. I'm back home. It's 11:03 a.m. Eastern for all three of us right now. We're all yes. back on the
0: East Coast. No, I think it's. I think it's time to stop looking McGregor's balls time. Because I <laughs> <you, laughs> did that was you coming. Took the whole, you took the whole show down last last week, Kenny. We had some classic. I thought we had a very great show. <laughs> People are telling me a lot of views. That co- I go to look, and nobody's even giving a shit. They're just all on. the <laughs> what you do you do? I wasn't here. Seriously, they, what you do?
1: They need to hear the. They need to hear all the different opinions. Oh right. That's why Lord. we have you on here. You keep us Lord. straight. Keep us straight over here.
0: I'm trying to build this podcast up, and you guys are trying to rip it. Down. <laughs> this is what we. I'm,
3: <laughs> we definitely adversely affected your <laughs> livelihood. Lab. Oh
0: my Our God! Family.
4: Crazy. No doubt. Well, if uh, anything, people would just bought more Longo shirts because last week. They're like, right. this guy. Right, exactly. Fuck Flow and fuck <laughs> yeah. Can
3: we return our uh, parental advisory explicit lyrics t-shirts and get some uh, Ray Longo. Hey, well, that's, you- uh,
4: that's exactly what Khabib said to John in that photo, actually. He was like, I need to oh. get me one of those shirts. Wait, I love it. You
0: see, did you see the picture of me and I, Khabib? I, I thought that was great. Thank you very much, John.
3: All I was looking for is a thank you, right? <laughs> I mean, I told you. So Thanks. I... I don't like to wear stuff with my name on it in like a public UFC setting, right? Like I wouldn't walk into a UFC weigh in and have like my name on the cover of a t-shirt, right? Like that's just self-serving and Uh, just not my style, right? Right. So I bought a bunch of the Ray Longo minute t-shirts. Yes. The Anakin Florian podcast logo is on the back, but I can promote my guy Ray Longo and still subtly promote the podcast. So of course uh, I'm there with your guy Khabib, who I know you've got so much love for and he was just staring at my ray-lanco minute t-shirt the whole time so i thought that was kind funny of cool. love him so why do you have a collared shirt on so early in the morning i gotta know or was that just the shirt that was next to your bed when you rolled out of bed to get your cold brew
0: no nah, it was the shirt that was actually next to my computer when i got to- <laughs> <laughs> I i'm going collared now come on we got to we got to don't you feel it do you feel big things coming for this podcast Is it just me is there's it- no doubt about it there's think, no doubt about it we got to go college shirt no i'm really excited about
3: the future potential licensing deal coming down what? sorry cody i shouldn't have said that on the air but no we're very excited Where about the future go. yeah letting it all go today and uh every time i see an anakin Florin podcast t-shirt at a ufc live event it warms my heart fucking jason herzog the referee god love the guy right Shows uh, up to USD 264. He's boots on the ground on the floor before the fights, wearing an Anakin Florian podcast uh, t-shirt, you know, waiting to the last minute to put on his, uh, his NSAC black. So we got to love Herzog for good that. Man, uh, yes. All right. lot to get to with Raymond as usual. By the way, it looks as though Marab Willie Ally Quinta, and wow. Aljamain Sterling are on their way to Georgia together. And I don't mean Savannah. I mean the nation <laughs> of, is that correct?
0: That's that is correct, man. That is that looks wow. like uh, I think Marab and he wanted to I want he wanted every he wanted everybody to go, which is crazy. But uh, those guys went and that's uh, going to I don't know. That, that, that can't be good. It just can't be good.
1: The bond is between we're going to swim there. What's he do? Is he going to run there? What's Marab doing? Yeah, right. Exactly. They're yeah. Flying.
0: Yeah, he's there's, <laughs> a, there's a competition. The Al Joe and Al took a plane and he's uh-huh. on horseback.
3: Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I believe it. With a fucking piece of bark in his mouth.
0: So savage. The,
3: I got to say, man, I know this is a little fluffy, but the bond between those three, it comes yeah. through in every video and in every interaction. Like I, it just, I think it helps them all career wise to an ex- extent that only somebody like you uh, yeah. could really talk about. So that was cool to see them all going to Georgia. And,
0: and, and honestly, John, they, I don't, you know, even Al and Aljo, I think they just know each other the last seven years and Marab probably the last six or whenever he came in. So it's, it's not like they would grew up together. So I it, that makes me, it really does make me happy when, uh, you know, the teams vibing like that. And, uh, it, it's, it, it's really good to see. And we were all in Atlantic city. They all uh, came down. Al did the announcing for the ring of combat and, uh, you know, just had a great time. We had great outcomes. I, we'll get to that later, though, because we had a great – we had, like, another string of victories, like another seven. Nice. Uh, so yeah, yeah, really, really good stuff.
3: Good stuff. So uh, so what would you think of the UFC fight night? I want to at least get your thoughts on Islam Akashev and Misha Tate and a few other performances. Uh, what do you make of this Islam, cat? Because a lot of people think he's the best lightweight in the world right now.
0: I'll tell you, you know, it's not even – well, obviously the guy's great, right? He looks good. Uh, and I, I don't feel the domination like a Khabib, but he looks smart. His stand up looks pretty solid defensively and, uh, and offensively. Um, yeah, he looks, he looks like the real deal. Uh, so get him, get him challenged a little more and let's see what happens. But, uh, for right now, he's got a great camp, right? And he's, any challenge they put in front of him, he's passing with flying colors and above, so uh, yeah, I don't know. He's 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 not going to be an easy out. But uh, yeah. you know what? You know what's crazy? As I was, uh, you know, you don't even realize who the champ is. They it he's almost got the aura now that he is the champ, even yeah. with the build for the fight. To me, anyway. But uh, you know, and I had to watch the fight when I got home because obviously I was at the Ring of Combat, you know, right. with my guys Saturday night. So, but that it, that kind of feeling is a. Uh, they're already, you know, they're doing a great job with that. I feel like he is the champ, you know, which is which is crazy.
3: Yeah, eight consecutive wins for Islam Makhachev. Do you guys know who is statistically the hardest fighter to hit in UFC history? Islam Makhachev has the best striking defense of any fighter in any division right now in UFC history, and that's why even at minus six hundred, I think it's still a little bit juicy, right? Because if you're outlining scenarios whereby Moises wins. He hits really hard. He kicks even harder. Uh, and he's really good with his counters, but uh yeah. I felt like he was gonna have to land a head kick or something and follow up with punches. And the the uh the probability of that to me just seemed very low. Ray, what'd you think of Misha Tate and her comeback performance? Pretty inspiring, huh?
0: Yeah, truly. Uh, really, really, really happy for Misha Tate. Look, I think she's a, a smart fighter. I think the time away did a good good great to see you get a win and come back. Uh always liked her uh you know man she's been around forever so she uh yeah it's just just one i think it was like for me like a feel-good moment i'm glad she got the win
3: do you have a problem with me talking about her breastfeeding on the air (laughs) was she breastfeeding on the air not on the air but i talked about it on the air do you have a problem with that no why did your wife (laughs) nurse your two daughters if you don't mind my asking
0: of course she did
3: all right so there you go that's why? why you don't have a problem
0: with it why because that's my advice to people. You have to breastfeed. Because if not, you're going to pump that milk in a bottle. And guess who's got to get up to feed them? <laughs> <Ha>! Right. <laughs> hey, R-P-L. R-P-L. right. Oh, I got it all down, John. I got and it we know all down. I you sleep hard. I Ray is a is deep sleeper, folks. Right. If I had breasts, I'd go feed him. You, know, you know what I mean? Kenny, <laughs> yeah. Let this be a lesson to you, Kenny. Uh, breastfeed is the only way to go. Breastfeeding is the right only now. way to go. Yeah. Yeah, trust me. I've, I've yeah. been there yeah so uh put that milk in the bottle you're the guy man
3: (laughs) so um i gotta say man billy q billy corntello buffalo new york ken Flo, i'll have you lead and then we'll get to longo on this matt Travola right in the corner of Billy Corontello after round two, he is so fucking giddy with excitement that his guy is not only just giving it to Gabriel Benitez, but he can feel the bonus. Like Frivola gets up on the apron. He's looking over at Dana White, just like, do you believe this shit fucking laughing? Like I couldn't get enough. And uh, I don't know if you thought that the ceiling on Billy Q Kenny was in a certain spot. I think he raised it this weekend. What a response to the Gavin Tucker fight. Four and one in the UFC and gets a bonus uh,
1: on way to his honeymoon in the Virgin Islands. Got to feel good for Billy Q. He's a damn savage, okay? I compared him to a a honey badger that just downed a six-pack of Monster Energy drinks. Like, he does not stop. And if you were to pick a dude of, like, if you had 10 typical UFC fighters and Billy Q was in that lineup and you had to fight one of them, Almost ten out of ten guys would probably pick Billy Q. You're know, like, I yeah. take that guy. He looks like a, a frat boy from college. Like he doesn't look that tough. Wrong freaking answer. That dude has a heart and a determination and a skill set that is going to rough you up. Like you're not getting out of a Billy Q. fight, whether you win lose, without multiple bruises and pain. That that he, he is so fun to watch. Uh, and so impressive and so tough, uh, it's unbelievable. Like it literally, it seems like he starts in sixth gear, ends in sixth gear. He does not stop until one of them are done. It, i, I was just really, really impressed.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the heart of a lion. And again, when you meet him, what a just, what a just. That's the way I like people. You know, soft spoken, humble, but when that door closes, man, tenacious, and they just, you can't stop them. You know what I mean? They refused to go down. They just even sometimes even when he got hit, you could just see him bite down on his mouthpiece and start swinging like, and not, and not sloppily, you know what I mean? Like shooting those night, you know, shoot, shot some nice combos. But again, when a guy walks in a room and you don't even know he's there, yeah. and then he, is that the octagon? That to me is the definition yeah. of a, of a fighter, not an arrogant, you know, jackass.
1: And Benitez is tough as hell. That's the thing. It was, it's not like Benitez isn't tough and not a good fighter. Billy Q went right at that dude and just overwhelmed him. And that's, yeah. you don't see a lot of dudes do that to someone like Benitez.
0: Yeah. And that's the, I think that was the key though. He caught him and then he ne- never let him get back in. Right. You know, yeah. like if, if he didn't do that, it might've been a, a different type of fight, but holy crap. I mean, you know, we took advantage of it and, you know, we knocked him down. they great, man. He's just a great guy and, you know, happy to see the guy get the bonus. So imagine that you're going on your honeymoon. Perfect. You, you, it's just beautiful great great story a lot of good feel good him Misha Tate I was it was a I really enjoyed watching the fights uh, the day after
3: and Kenny you're right to acknowledge the heart the toughness of the Mexican Gabriel Benitez who was in the best shape of his life I do think yeah. sometimes and we saw it obviously with Sean O'Malley and Chris Mutino sometimes a referee has just seen a guy take enough and too tough for his own good or whatever it is and uh I don't know. I know, obviously, people had much more of an issue with the Mutino thing, obviously, uh, because he was on his feet and everything else. But uh, I don't know, man. I just I didn't need to see Benitez take any more punishment. I think yeah. uh, I was aligned with the referee there. We were talking about Mataj Gamroth, the submission of Jeremy Stevens Ray uh, before you came on, and I didn't want to keep you waiting. But uh, it's just sort of speaking to a bigger theme. There's just so much talent in the UFC right now, thirty-five to seventy that a guy like Mataj Gamrot, who's like 19 and one, right. Can kind of fall through the cracks until you get on a main card against a big name like Jeremy Stevens. And, uh, you know, he wants the Americans to know who he is. And I think now
0: a lot of them do. Well, I think he made that obvious on the microphone for sure, but yeah, great fight, man. I mean, quick, very quick. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I was listening to you guys before I got on. I, d- I definitely didn't know who he was before that but right right i know who he is now so he made any i remember
3: of- when i used to take jujitsu um going through the progressions of a kimura sweep to try to escape or whatever uh I was not very good at it. You know, Pahumpa would be like, you keep forgetting to post. And it's like, it's my fucking fourth day, Pahumpa, man. You know, like God, these jujitsu guys, like expect us to just memorize every goddamn step of a Kimura sweep in like one class, you know?
4: Well, um, remember, remember it was this morning. I don't know why you're having such difficulty. day. Yeah, all
3: right. Yeah. So Kenny, what can you tell us? Um, Jeremy Stevens hadn't been submitted. I don't think since 2009. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us? defensively or offensively about sort of what went down and maybe what plagued Stevens uh, in this exchange.
1: Geez. You know, I think that Gamrock did a great job of isolating the arm away from the body of Stevens. And um, you know, he, he, it's all about position first. You know, he, he wasn't going to try to get a submission um, to lose position. He was making sure that he was pinning Stevens to the floor. He was sandwiching him, um, you know, between himself and the mat uh, very well. Uh, and he was waiting for that right opportunity, uh, you know, for the strong Jeremy Stevens to kind of lose focus on that arm. Uh, and, and again, he, it's a two-on-one grip. It's very difficult to break away once you're in that position. Uh, and Gamrod was able to get that separation, bring the arm away from the torso, and then crank away. And, um, you know, Stevens, you know, his, his arm, once your arm's behind your back, it's very difficult to to get that um, position back. He should have been turning towards Gamrod, not away but uh i thought it was a beautiful finish very clinical from gamron
3: hey by the way ray how about fucking billy q calling out the boston guy charles rosa hope rosa fucks him up
0: now yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i think that i think that's a great fight for billy
3: q we should we'll bet on that fight yeah. you and me we'll figure uh, out a side wager for the boston new
0: york angle <laughs> on that one. Yeah. Well, I, here I'll, i am
3: trying to like shout take, out buffalo
0: take that bet.
3: i'm day trying day to day. shout well billy q would be the favorite I, uh, but I'm shouting out Buffalo, New York on the call. And then he calls out a Boston guy. I'm like, kind of regret giving Buffalo all that shine. (laughs) All right. It is at this point of the program that we get to Amanda Lemos. Kenful wanted to lead the show with her. So former jungle fight champion, if you don't know, she's undefeated as a straw weight. Only time she's lost was her short notice UFC debut up at Bantamweight. She did have an extended suspension, uh, but came into this fight number 14 in the world, Kenny, in what is the deepest women's division, strawweight. And Wally Ishmael told me before the fight that she is a future champion and uh, she's got a lot of skills. It's not just the striking, Ken Flo. What do you make of uh, Amanda Lemos as strawweight
1: contender? John, you know, there's a few striking performances that come to mind where – um, you realize they're at a different level you know there, there's like uh, Anderson Silva when he first p- beat Chris Lieben, uh, where he just like dancing around Chris counter shots slipping and ripping just making it look easy like this is not your regular kind of striker there's uh, Conor McGregor's performance against Eddie Alvarez where he just looked like he was head and shoulders above that level where he's just He's hitting everything he's throwing. He's, you know, getting him to miss punches. He's countering everything. Um, And, you know, there's other striking performances like that. Well, uh, you know, that was one of those that I will remember because it looked like she was so far ahead and so calm. Like she walked out, you know, with that energy, like I'm going to destroy you and I'm going to have fun doing it. And, she started out with her rhythm. She rips up, she rips a leg, a, a, a kick that I don't remember another female throwing one that fast. I mean, it was, it was lightning and it looked like if she was trying to cut right through her, she threw it again. Uh, and then her counter shot going backwards. There's very few people in the UFC who know how to counter fight, who know how to really counter strike at a high level. Uh, Amanda Lemos apparently is one of them. Uh, The way that she threw that shot going backwards, dude, that was just nasty. And she only missed one of those shots. Out of the four punches that she threw, she barely missed that second hook. Everything else landed on the money. And to see someone do that against a pressuring fighter and moving backwards, to me, shows that she's a different kind of striker. This isn't your your regular sitting out there to brawl. She's a ninja, dude. I'm telling you right now she's someone to watch and she could absolutely be a world champion.
0: Yeah, that fight was stopped way too early.
1: Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the stoppage. No, I a don't think people,
0: so. A lot of people what feel kind of that way, I don't. I she was ready to yeah. go. What are you talking about? No, Not she enough. was out
1: she was going to be out on her feet. too. she wasn't a yeah.
0: Yeah, without it. doubt. see that's the difference. Yeah. Like yeah, she yeah. did get up, but it was it was we call that swimming yeah. without a life preserver. It's just a matter of yeah. time you're going yeah. down. Again. <laughs> I mean, so wait, but that kid can hit. Some some people just have bricks in their hands. It's a different type of feeling when you get hit by him. It's like holy shit. And I think he's got. I think she's got bricks in her hands.
3: And you know what else she has is a fucking squeeze from hell. Like she executed a rear naked choke in the UFC without even having somebody's back. Holy right. And in her last fight against Lavinia Souza. Dropped her with a right hand. Dropped her with a jab. Like she called out Michelle Waterson and Tisha Torres. Torres has the rematch with Angela Hill coming up here in a few weeks. But uh, Amanda Lemo, she's thirty-four, right? She did have the two-year suspension, if I'm not mistaken. But she is a real fucking problem. What'd you have uh, a suspension for? I don't know exactly. You know what do you mean? The UFC cuts my check. I just brush that stuff under the rug. You don't you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: Chuck even mentioned it.
3: Yeah. yeah. Wait till we get to the Dillashaw predictions, right? Uh, yeah. By the way, I just want to tell you guys, in talking to Jeff Nowitzki a few weeks ago, yeah, for whatever the hell it's worth, TJ Dillashaw has already passed north of 25 uh, drug tests by USADA. Yeah, it's worth, uh,
0: worth nothing. Just think we want to put a value on it. Zero. What's that? What's it's what's worth that? Nothing, nothing. What do you mean? Too little, too late. They had their chance to catch him before that they blew it well so right so he failed
3: failed his pre and post-fight drug tests uh surrounding the henry cejudo fight for epo so a lot of people don't feel like the punishment fit the crime that he should have gotten either a lifetime ban or more than two years or he shouldn't come right back in what amounts to a title eliminator and a main event a lot of people are upset um what what do you think? I mean, do you think because it was EPO that he should have been banned for life? Since you want to talk about this, Ray?
0: No, I don't even want to talk about oh, it. Oh, you
3: don't? Oh, okay. No, All right. I
0: thought you were. But I to talk I about they it. they have to punish these guys severely though. That that's yeah. for sure. It's yeah, it's, guy, just, it's not right. It's wrong. No, it's I, I
3: I I think largely we're aligned. I just uh I don't know what the solution is. If it's EPO or do you would you rather a three or four year suspension? I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. But at least he's passed like 30 drug tests in the
0: last uh, year and a half or so. I'll leave uh, that to you and Kenny to decide. Well, no, it's just somebody
3: said to me, like, I'm not even going to, you know, because I'm soliciting. And, Cody, you can get those results for me if you don't mind. But I was soliciting opinion on this main event between Corey Sandhagen and TJ Dillashaw this weekend from our listeners because I'm absolutely fascinated um, by the fight. And somebody wrote to me, like, I'm not even going to give you a prediction because I don't know if TJ has been tested since, you know. And so I was happy to at least be able to let him know that he has absolutely been, been tested. Um, and Amanda Lemos, yes, suspended after her debut loss to Leslie Smith, uh, for two years. All right. So 66% of like 5,000 responses like Sandhagen and Dillish, uh, 34% for TJ, which sort of dovetails, um, with the betting line. All right. Two more things with, uh, with Raymond. I want to hear about your ring of combat guys. And then I wanna get a prediction on Dillashaw Sandhagen. Um, so what what do you, what what happened ring of combat? Obviously it was a successful weekend, seven of your guys won, is that right?
0: Well, I think the whole, well, you know, I, I left out uh, one of my favorite guys in the gym, Austin Halleck. He's that young kid we talk about and he helps out all the pros. He had his amateur debut the week before and he just flawless, beautiful performance by a young kid. I think the sky's the limit if he keeps his his head screwed on, right? And then uh, after that, we had this week and we had Charlie Campbell and Bellator. <clears throat> he got the stoppage in the second round. Then we moved on to the ring of combat. We had a first fight was a split decision loss. Then uh, Damian Nelson fought a guy out of Jackson Wink. That fight, you know, I thought Damian won the fight. Could have won either way. It was close, but they both, they both of them put on a great performance. Then Dylan Montello, who's undefeated as an amateur, undefeated as a pro, really expect to see this kid in the UFC soon, I think when they see his highlight tape, there'll be no question. He's got submission wins. He knocked this guy out in 45 seconds. Wow! Probably six one at 155. Knows how to use his range, perfect. They kind of compare him to like a, a Calvin Kattar. uh right? He, Cater, sorry. He's got great jiu jitsu. Uh, he he's good. Ken, you should take a look at him, Dylan Montello. I think you'll you'll really like what you see. Uh, and then James Gonzalez won the Ring of Combat Championship against uh, former UFC vet J- uh, Jeff Lentz. I don't know if you remember him. He was on the show going back years, uh, pretty, a couple of years ago, anyway. Uh, uh, superior Jiu Jitsu, controlled him on the floor. Uh, he's got really great MMA Jiu Jitsu. So, yeah, everybody did great. They worked their balls all, awesome. and they, uh, we had a great weekend. The teams, uh, Team's back up and rolling now that we get some shows going again. So very excited for everybody.
3: Great to hear. Well, yeah. you always have a platform here.
0: Wow. Oh, everybody,
3: great. everybody loves Raymond, right? Wasn't that the fucking situational <laughs> comedy? Everybody loves Raymond, right? Everybody loves Raymond. It must be nice going through life. Everybody loves fucking Raymond.
4: God damn. Well, Ray, a little alarming results this weekend. How huh? you want to talk about that?
0: Oh well, the fights were at the Showboat. You know, normally we do them at the Tropicana. I, I got, I, I'd rather, I'd rather pass Cody because I have nothing good to say about that hotel. Oh that well, was give crazy. us a
3: Sandhagen uh, Dillashaw prediction then.
0: Geez, you just cut me right. he's, he's aggravated about. So what? What did I aggravate you this time, about? Tell me. No, you, you don't aggravate about?
3: me at all. And and you have all the time that you want. <laughs> I still have fourteen
0: minutes he's, for you right now. Again. So. You're mad again. You're mad again.
3: I'm not. And I very much appreciate the phone call, by the way, after the show last week. I have my twin brother with me in Vegas. We played golf three times. So I know I didn't get back to you, but just rest assured that your voicemail lifted me up. So.
0: Oh, great. I've- whatever it was <laughs> no I'm
3: fine I'm fine I'm just uh you
0: know I'm going so, with uh I'm going with Sanhagen let me just jump so I don't want to put you under any more pressure uh, oh hey me, any further but uh no my, I, I'm going with Sanhagen I, I like the way he even called him out at the beginning it seems like they they trained together and he feels very confident and that's good that's good enough for me without even breaking down the fight I think there's people that know what happened in the training room. And and again, sometimes when you get these guys, when they have been doing stuff and, and look, I don't know if he does. I always liked TJ. I really, I really don't like the fact of what, I mean, obviously I can't stand it, but he was a nice kid. The first day I met him, but this, this just puts a blemish on really every hard, it's really yeah, hard. It's hard because he was, he's a, he's a, seemed like a nice guy, but they claim he's been doing this shit for years that, that, that was kind of my point before like everybody kind of knew it. Uh, so luckily finally he got caught, but sometimes those guys come off and they're not the same mentally either because they become so dependent on it. And I think the, that fact, and I'm I'm like, again, I'm going to leave technicality out of it. Uh, that fact, plus I like what I I think Sanhagen, first off, he's confident, he's growing. I think he learned from that Aljo loss. He looks, he looks like a world beater to me. I, I love his confidence i love i love sanhagen's disposition also he's a, like a like a billy q that just seem like they're nice guys but when they get in that octagon man they know how to turn it on and to me that's the best recipe for uh for being a champion and i i i, I like sanhagen in this fight
3: yeah i think he deserves the distinction as the favorite it is hard with dillashaw Kenflo, right because you know we know the guy we know his family right great parents great wife and uh but this is hard, right? It'll be a challenge to uh, for the broadcast team to call the fight this weekend. Right. It's a, it's a tricky navigation and, uh, you know, there will always uh, I think be an asterisk next to uh, a lot of what he's accomplished, but you know, pre these positive tests, you know, skill for skill, Kenny Dillashaw, one of the, one of the best fighters that I've ever seen, you know? So, uh, you know, Um, all right. At Ray Longo MMA on social media, Uh, what is the rest of your Monday hold Ray?
0: I just what every other Monday holds. I hey, I I close a this. Life, right? I close this computer. I get something to eat. I head to the gym. All right. Well, uh, and I uh, love
3: enjoy it. Enjoy your breakfast. Thank you for uh for lifting up the program as usual. And uh, uh and again, if we retain half our audience, it's because of you. So
0: <laughs> thank you. So yeah. So what you're saying is you're done looking the guy's balls. <laughs> you're done. Is that it? It's over. No, hey, did you see, where, you see the thing? You see the thing with the doctors dispute, and that that even had a stress fracture before the fight.
3: Yeah,
0: and when things well, couldn't get any worse, they just get worse. And I worse was surprised
3: and that when I heard handicappers talk about the fight, Moore didn't mention that the leg you know was pretty damn compromised in january and this fight in july was pretty soon thereafter you know i think it stood to reason that his leg wasn't going to be 100 but yeah you're right he's probably lied right because the doctor just yeah, yeah. you know yeah because
0: i know what i'm injured whatever yeah. part i'm injured with i just start throwing that the first thing when the fight starts no right right yes, no? wait hold on hey, hey one other thing i did another podcast I, somebody was uh I think TJ brought up the thing with Rogan interviewing him afterwards. Right. He goes, what did I think? I go, the guy tried kicking Dustin in the balls in the fucking face-off. Like, it's the same guy. Like, what's what's different? He was acting crazy. And he just continued to act crazy. You think it was the endorphins or the hormones? Right. Right, the so John role.
3: Kavanaugh took issue with our live production team's decision to uh, I, to interview Conor,
0: and I lo- and I lo- I love John. I th- look, I and I and John, I swear to God, I've been in the same position, I think, as you are. So it's not. Yeah. that I haven't been there before, yeah. but but I don't think that had anything to do with it. it. Was like again, he's his actions before the fight were just the same as what he was doing after the fight. No, is that me?
3: No, that's not you. I mean, I, I still crickets?
0: hear Did I hear crickets.
3: No, I still hear from athletes, uh, and, and, and fans about when I interviewed Rich Franklin after he got knocked out by Kung Lee in his final UFC fight. And, uh, in my ear, they're like, you know, they want winner loser. I'm walking over to interview Rich Franklin after he was knocked out cold and, uh, Sometimes that decision doesn't reside with us. Certainly if Rogan didn't want to interview Connor, he could have just sort of walked out of the octagon and then it doesn't happen. And you deal with the repercussions thereafter. Certainly for Joe, that's an easier navigation than for me. You know, if I yeah. uh, ignore those imperatives and walk out the octagon, I might lose my job. But, uh,
0: I don't, no, but I think he did the same thing with O'Malley that time when O'Malley's foot was uh, whatever happened to him. In his the his leg uh,
3: wasn't snapped in two, but yes, right. you're right. I think that's
0: uh, a worthwhile example.
3: So, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, frontrunner for coach of the year right now, huh? How about that?
0: I think uh, – come on, man. You can't argue with that. He's getting getting some hardware on this podcast.
3: All right. Well, uh, close your computer. Have a great day. It's all, all right, love, man. man.
0: It's all it love, is man. love, though, right? Yeah. No doubt. It's all, no though, doubt. I'm a, tell me you love me on, in front of everybody.
3: I absolutely <laughs> love you, and I take your criticism <laughs> to heart. Right. Uh maybe yeah, you know, my like, uh my ball lapping has gone a little too far.
0: <laughs> no? That's what I'm talking about.
3: <laughs> can them. you close your computer, please? I've yeah.
0: been holding in this lift for about five minutes so he doesn't know which way to, to turn. <laughs> All right, Ben. So, oh, oh, Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs> there
3: he is. Get the fuck out of here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So I had one other thing in my notes, Kenny, just in terms of all the talent in the UFC and congratulations to Daniel Rodriguez, who's a hell of a welterweight and, uh, you know, in and out of jail most of his life, father of four, but he's never stopped working out. He's never stopped working hard. He is an LA kid who subscribes to the Mamba mentality, was a huge Kobe Bryant fan. And, uh, that's allowed him to realize a lot of professional success. And and I'm really happy for D-Rod, but. Mataj Gamrot, Sergey Morozov, Iev Loyev, all of whom I believe have ties to American Top Team, right? There's just so much goddamn talent right now in the UFC down here in South Florida at American Top Team. It is it is just incredible and uh I don't know. I just uh I wanted to acknowledge American Top Team because um what Dan Lambert has built down here is, is absolutely incredible. And all these coaches, you know, who I know are well-paid and deservedly. So it's the culture they've created down here uh, is absolutely incredible. So, all right. It is now time for the pronunciation of the week. It is brought to you by our friends at Canada dips. As we welcome on our executive producer, Cody Merrow. This is a tough one. So you're four and eight Casey Williams, our intern um, gave you one and one last week. You nailed Islam Akash. You did not hit on Mataj Gamrot. But uh, it's it's nice to see you, Cody.
4: Well, it's good to see you as well, John. And I understand now why you shave your head, because when you say the pronunciation right and then everyone after you says it incorrectly, I would pull my hair out, too. So <laughs> I appreciate you, John. Thank you for the attention to detail. And I'm sure all the fighters appreciate it.
3: Well, let me just give you a little insight, because I know Bruce Buffer doesn't listen
4: to this podcast. No, that, so that, that wasn't at Bruce see- either. That's well, Bruce, I wanted to Bruce get- too well for me to say anything. Yeah.
3: So I wanted to get ahead of the machashev thing with Buff, right? Because what happens is, is this is a very hard name, machashev, to say, right? And over the course of an eight-hour broadcast with seven or eight talking heads, inevitably, you're going to hear a lot of our crew say machashev, right? Love you, Michael Kiesa, but it's machashev, right? So a lot of people would say it the wrong way, and then it becomes habitual for other people on the broadcast. So I got with Buffer earlier in the day, and when he announced Islam right before the fight, he got it right. But his phonetics the other three times were not Mahashev. So he was one for for four uh, on his Mahashev pronunciations over the weekend. But uh, who we got today, Cody? We got a fighter who's competing this weekend, July 24th, live on ESPN. She competes in the first fight of the night. Her last name is spelled B-E-L-B-I-T-A. So it looks a lot like Belbita on paper. Cody Mero, of whom am I speaking?
4: Well, I feel like you said that. Now I'm going to say it incorrectly, but I think it's Diana Belbita. All right, let's hear her say it.
0: Diana, the warrior princess, Belbita. Wait for it. Diana, Belbita.
3: Wait for it, folks. I can't hear anything. Should I be able to hear that? Kenny, can you hear it?
0: Belbita.
3: I can't. I can't hear it, Cody. You didn't get any of that? No, I didn't get any of that audio, but Kel, oh, yes. Cody did. Uh, Kenny did. So that assumingly means our listeners did.
0: Belbiza. It's,
3: it's no. Belbiza. Belbiza. Isn't that crazy?
4: It'll be crazy bel-beet-sa. that nobody, everyone's going to say it, Belbita. I, so I got facetious when I emailed John. He emailed this to me last week and he goes, Okay, here's the pronunciation. I was like, Oh, John, it's a little cheesy, don't you think? Huh? Huh? You know, like, Velveeta, yeah, right. Belbita. <laughs> and then I was wrong. So that's what I get for trying to be funny, you know, like, Go fuck myself, right?
3: Well, I I called a Diana Bel fight with Paul Felder and he wrote pizza on his notes, you know, Bell So uh, but that's a tough one. You fall to four and nine, but again, right? It's like it, it, and nobody's gonna look at T A uh on the end of a word and think pizza bell
4: but it is Diana Bell Pizza. Romanian. A, it's gonna pay attention, you to know. The, that's why you gotta watch the Anakin Florian podcast, you know, so people can get this right. We're trying. Right. Exactly. We're trying. We are trying.
3: All right. Bonus winners for UFC fight night, fight of the night, no doubt, or Billy Corintella versus Gabriel Mowgli Benitez. And then they went four wide on the performance bonuses. Misha Tate, Hadolfo Vieta, Mataj Gamrot, and Rodrigo Nascimento. What'd you make of the uh, former five-time world Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion, Hadolfo Vieta, Ken Flo? Uh, the jab was obviously a big factor. Uh, he's, he's had to battle a lot of mental demons just to make this yeah. walk in MMA nine or 10 times. Says... He's not sure that any fighter fears fighting as much as he does.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny for a guy who is built like him uh, and who possesses some of the skills that he has, uh, that he he has that kind of fear um, and that he's that timid. But he's a very soft-spoken guy. He seems like a very nice guy. Um, and I thought this was a, a pretty solid performance from him. I thought it was good to see you know, his willingness to kind of get in and get out, throw that jab. Uh, He was a little bit too linear for me. There were a couple of times where he was moving just straight back or just moving straight in where I thought he would get caught. But um, I thought it was a a huge uh, improvement uh, over his last performance, of course, and um, looks solid. And, you know, I I think with some more training, with with some more confidence, um, he could still be a problem uh, in that division. Uh, He's so skilled on the ground. um, I think he'll continue to get uh, much, much better.
3: And on the other side, Dustin Stoltzfus is just getting going, very much a developing fighter. Uh, and I think he has a, a bright future as well. And again, I, I'm a broken record, but it speaks to the depth. Like Stoltzfus might be our number sixtieth ranked middleweight. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's just the depth is absolutely absurd yes. right now. All right, as you might expect, another UFC fight night this weekend. Main event Corey Sandhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge.
2: The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win.
1: The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
3: All right, time to make some picks as we welcome on the duck, Ian Parker on social media at Ian Parker MMA. Pretty good card we got coming up this weekend, boys. We got three main card selections and then i want some quick picks on the way out you can go as long or short on the quick picks as you choose but there are a lot of close fights that i want you guys to be forced to go on the record with so we will start with the main card bout at bantamweight, 14th ranked kyler phillips minus 280 howley and paiva plus 225 so paiva moving up to 135 pounds after missing weight for a fight island start last july that night ian he did beat joga shumagulab although I didn't think he won that fight, but that is neither here nor there. What do you think about Piva here against
2: the streaking Kyler Phillips? I think Phillips is someone who should be talked about. That's not talked about enough. That last yeah. performance he had was very impressive, very smart as an underdog. A lot of people had him. Um, the wrestling, even his striking has just come so far. I, I think he gets this done. I- I'm honestly like... I don't love the line being so high for guys that haven't fought so much in the UFC, but he is a guy that I think will be a problem in this division and he just keeps getting better. So I'm going to go with Kyler Phillips here. Ken what do you
3: think Phillips and Piva here at
2: Bantamweight?
1: Yeah, I think it's a tough matchup for Piva. Piva has got a lot of experience, his reach, um, you know, he should be the taller uh, guy with the longer reach and, and he could potentially use that against Kyler. But I think Kyler's just got uh, way too many skills. The way he puts this game all together Uh, I like Phillips here as well. All
3: right, co-main event, Aspen Ladd is a minus 190 favorite for her return here against Macy Shasson, who is plus 160. We'll need the round and the method, guys, as this is the co-main event. So Ladd has been out since December of 2019. It was a TKO win over Yana Kunitskaya that night. Then she tore both her ACL and MCL, prepping for a fight with Sarah McMahon about a year ago. And now she draws Fortis MMA's Macy Shasson. She has fought and won twice. Since we last saw Aspen Ladd, Ian Parker, what do you think of the co
2: This is a lot closer, I think, than the odds are presenting. And I think that's because of how long, oh, Kenny knows what I'm doing here. Um, Aspen Ladd being out for this long with those injuries and being this young, I don't know if she knows how to bounce back so quick. And I think Macy is starting to fight how we all saw her on the Ultimate Fighter as we projected she would. She's with a great coach and a team at Fortis. I think the value is on her here. You know, I think she's got to use her jab. I think she will be the better striker here. You know, I still think Aspen Ladd is way too predictable, and her striking is a little too slow, a little too wild. You know she's going to try and get the fight to the ground. I think Macy's got a good ground game as well. Um, This is a very hard one to choose. I'm going to take a flyer on Macy here at these dog odds. And how does she get it done? Oh, by decision.
3: It's always tough handicapping Layoffs, especially when it comes to a young developing fighter like Aspen Ladd, because you know how hard she works. And you got to think in theory, she would be presenting a totally different version of herself, or at least a better one. Macy Shasson, Kenny, nine in the world trying to take Aspen Ladd's number three ranking. What do you think about the co
1: Yeah, I always look for ways to try to sneak points here and there against uh, Ian, and um, Ian's really not given anything away. He's very stingy over the last several weeks, so trying to close that gap to make it a little bit more respectable. I agree with him here. I I think that um, Aspen's being a little bit too overvalued here, number one. Can't she win the fight? Sure. Um, uh, But I I do like Macy here as well. I I think that she has a certain toughness and an ability – Uh, to execute smart game plans. I think she'll do the same same thing here against Aspen Ladd, Uh, and uh, I think she's poised to win here by decision.
3: All right, main event at Bantamweight. How fucking good is this? I can't wait to just sit on my couch and uh, not talk for a change. Corey Sanhagen is looking to hurt people in there. His words, not mine, and that is exactly what he has done of late. As such, Ian, he is a minus-190 betting favorite here against the returning TJ Dillashaw. He comes back at plus-160 and comes back to the sport off suspension. Last seen January of 2019. What do you think, Ian? Who wins the main event, and how do they get
2: it done? There's just no way I could take TJ here. I I don't know what TJ we are going to get. You know, I I was on earlier. I heard what Ray said, and there has been talks that TJ's been on this for forever. You know, and again, let's just say even that he wasn't. Say it was a year two years. Those were his best years. You know, we saw the evolution in his game when he went over with, with Bang, and I just... San Hagen is just something different right now. Not a lot of guys bounce back the way he did after getting subbed out in a big spot by Aljo, you know, and I mean, what he did to Frankie, what he's just been doing in general, the confidence level, his, his IQ is just through the roof. He keeps getting better and better. And I think this is a rough matchup for TJ. Listen, TJ wants to prove to the world that that stuff was just, for healing powers, I guess. You know, because I went over Sanhagen gets him right back into the title picture. But for me, this is Sanhagen's time. I would not have done this if I was TJ. I would have done something a little bit down the pecking order just because a two-year layoff in general also. He's never had that in the UFC or in his career in general. Give me Corey Sanhagen. Um, oh, man. To say he's going to finish TJ is kind of tough. I, I don't even... It's, a, it's Monday, so it's a, it's a tough one here. Let me go Sanhagen by TKO round two.
3: I don't think you could give TJ Dillashaw a tougher matchup coming off of suspension, maybe like Mirab, but it was January of 2019. Kenny Dillashaw was vying to become a two division champ at flyweight. Henry Cejudo knocks him out in 32 seconds, fails both pre and post fight drug tests for EPO. Uh, And despite the fact that uh, he has passed a lot of drug tests since uh, a lot of people don't want to give him any sort of fair shake, he's getting a huge fight in his return. Ken Flo, how do you see it going down this weekend?
1: You know, this is a tough one. And I think um, I, I agree with what a lot of what Ian said. Um, what's his mind state going to be like knowing that he's going into potentially his first pro fight in a long time without um, EPO, uh, a substance which allows you to not only push harder, longer in training, but push harder, longer during a fight. Um and the back of your mind knowing that, hey, maybe I can't keep that same pace. What's going to happen when I get into those fourth and fifth rounds when I'm not on? I don't know. Um, is that something he's dealing with? It's it's quite possible. Um, I think that's kind of one of the big negatives with someone who uses is now what happens when you don't have that. Um, so mentally, it's going to be a, a, a challenge, a big hurdle for him. Skill-wise, though, um, if, if it's the same TJ Dillashaw skill-wise, um he he can win that fight he can win that fight against garbrandt he's got a ton of big fight experience he's had his back up against the wall before uh tj has some real skills that can be very confusing for people um however i think it would be very difficult to go out there and after this long layoff with everything and go out there and beat a guy like Corey sanhagen who has been very active Uh, Who's going to have a height and reach advantage out there? uh, Who's been putting it together very well, and who also has knowledge of TJ Dillashaw of what he does? Uh, That is a huge advantage. You know, a lot of people talk about secrets uh, about uh, experience being the ultimate currency in combat. Uh, I think secrecy is one of the ultimate currencies in combat. Uh, And when you know more about your enemy, when you know more about your opponent, that is a huge advantage. Uh, I like Sandhagen here as well. Uh, Let's go with. Let's go with fourth round TKO, Sanhagen.
3: Ken likes Corey Sanhagen by round four TKO, and there is no overstating how much value that Aljamain Sterling loss had for Corey Sanhagen. He effectively flipped the switch thereafter, and a lot of elite bantamweights uh, have paid the price. All right, some quick picks on the way out. Fight a lot of folks are talking about a Bantamweight, Ken Flo. Adrian Yanez, minus 195 against the Zohan Randy Costa, who's plus 165. Who do you have there?
1: I'm going to go with Yanez.
3: IP, Yanez Costa. All right, at middleweight, middleweight, close fight numbers-wise here, a couple of uh, remember-the-show guests, Punahele Soriano, minus 125, Ian, Brendan Allen, plus 105, anything for us on this one?
2: Yeah, this one's tough. This, to me, is does Brendan Allen get this fight to the ground quick, or does he get boxed into the shadow realm? And uh, I just think that Soriano's got such a good coach in Eric Nisic that they've been working on that takedown defense. I'm going to go with Soriano here. Kenny, you know how
3: good Allen's submission game is, and his all-around game is certainly improving, training at Sanford MMA, but what people talk about this Puna Hele Soriano as if it's just something different, you know?
1: What do you think about Puna and (laughs) B.A.? Yeah, it worries me that Allen also kind of will get comfortable on the feet and sometimes gets a little too manly, so, uh, you know, that that could come back to haunt him here. I, I like Soriano here.
3: All right, big fight for a couple of ranked women at flyweight. Miranda Maverick, minus 135. Macy Barber, plus 115. Ian, any strong lean on this one?
2: Yeah, I'm going to take Miranda Maverick until she loses. I, I, You know, with Macy, I'm a big fan of Macy Barber, too. But that last fight, she kind of didn't – I didn't see any improvements. I saw what what happened to her last time, and I think Maverick is just a bad matchup for her all around. So I'm going to go on Miranda here.
3: Ken flow Maverick Barber, who you got? Maverick. At Featherweight, Derek Minner and Darren Elkins. Minner is the favorite. Elkins, the dog, IP. What do you got?
1: I'm going to go with Minner. Can't flow? Yeah, I like Minner here
3: as well. All right. If you want more from the duck, he is at Ian Parker MMA. Thanks for being nicer to me than fucking Longo today. My God. <laughs> yeah, I
2: mean, I mean, <laughs> you don't look too happy to begin with. So the last thing I'm going to do good. is think about out. I'm good. Look, we moved, I mean, we moved on. That's, that's just a fight that was in the past. It happened many hours ago. We don't need to great. talk about it. We don't need All to right.
3: talk. Nice to see you, Ian. And uh, maybe we'll get a cup <laughs> of coffee here in the next few weeks. I'm back in South Florida for uh, about 20 days. So uh, thank you for your contributions and uh, we will talk to you soon, my friend. You got it. Be good guys. See ya. All right. Anikflorianpodcast.com. We'll link you to the video, the audio FlowTube, which is Ken Flow's YouTube channel that he still reluctantly refuses to change the name from Kenny Florian to FlowTube, but a lot of good stuff on FlowTube. Merchandise link also at anicflorianpodcast.com if you want the Longo shirts or the uh, Parental Advisory Explicit Lyrics shirt. We are back next week. I can't wait to see what happens with Sanhagen and uh, and Dillashaw. I think it's going to be a tough Red week one. for TJ with the media grind and everything that he's going to have to deal with. I know he's not cutting the flyweight anymore, but I think it is going to be a taxing fight week. And then uh, your reward at the end of it is that they lock you in an octagon with uh, Corey Sandhagen. So we'll see how it all plays out. We're back with you next Monday to recap that and obviously look ahead to Uriah Hall and Sean Strickland coming up to close out the month on July 31st. Thanks to Ray Longo, Ian Parker, executive producer, Cody Merrow, and all of you for sticking with us through 309 episodes until next Monday for Ken and John Anik. Don't text and drive. Yo, fucking later.